This is CliffCentral.com. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Yet again, another one of those absolutely fantastic days. It's Unplugged and In Charge on CliffCentral.com. Thank you very much for listening in. Man, yet again another great day, isn't it? It's the shortest hour of the week. I like to call it that because in fact it ends up being like that because we normally have people in the studio who are doing exceptional things. I learned recently that I I should actually say that these are ordinary people who say extraordinary things. And of course, that just coupling on each other and just multiplying makes them extraordinary people because of all the things that they do on a daily and of course you listening to the show you becoming part of that tribe of superstar leaders people who are listening in trying to of course better their own lives because sometimes it isn't getting some something from someone else a spark from someone else that can ignite your fire your flame because you got the fuel already you just need that little bit of a spark sometimes or in fact you already got the fire going but you just need to keep the drive alive and how you keep the drive alive is by listening to a show like this one right here and uh, thank you very much for tuning in thank you very much for listening to the podcast if that's what you're doing right now it's always a pleasure to give you you know some great content and also to, to just unearth amazing amazing stories from south africans who are who are doing so much breaking boundaries breaking ground and uh, you're really coming up with some new, new things. I've got in studio with me a couple of gentlemen. Now, the, the really great thing is that some of them are in accounting and they've got their own firms and they're doing some stuff. It's small, but it got to start small to get big. You know, you, they say you got to, um, you, you got to get started to get great. You don't have to be great to get started, but you just got to get started. And, uh, you're going to hear some of their stories as well and, and they come up and, and, you know, how much they learned from all of that and just, you know what they do on a daily and i've got another gentleman man he's writing books he was telling me earlier how actually affordable it is for you to write a book just get the content and all sorts of things and we're going to learn from that too and i'm actually going to try and introduce them more or less at the same time and just uh zoom in on one character and then get to zoom in on the other i'm going to start with uh, brian mthongo he's right here with me he's a man with the glasses he's wearing like you know what i mean he's that He's got that classic man look today. He's got the waistcoat going on, you know, double breast, you know, all things good, you know. And then he also has to hit hit us with the glasses as well. So uh, let me actually get to greet him and let's actually get to see what is up in his life. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing well. And yourself? Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much for joining me. I'm not happy with the one thing. It says it's Brian Mashangu. Oh, goodness. <laughs> okay. Oh, I see it now. You know, I just checked it really quickly. Mashangu. Yes, you're absolutely right. Muma, muma. Ish. It says tomato, tomato, but it ah. doesn't, it's not the same. This is Brian. Um, yo, now I'm even nervous to say it wrong. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool stuff, Brian. So t- tell me, you are an author at the moment, right? Yeah. And this is one of the things you do. What do you write about? Well, the first book I wrote about my experiences growing up, um, coming out from a very disadvantaged background in terms of being illiterate, you know, yeah. illiterate, you know, mm-hmm. and growing up and actually, um, overcoming all the obstacles of being told you're never going to make it and actually going to school and, um, upgrading myself to be a better person, which mm-hmm. led me to actually wanting to tell people about the journey of how I actually got to where I got to. Wow. Now, 
who were some of the naysayers? Some of the people who were telling you that you're not going to make it, you're not going to do well in that thing that you wanted to do back in the day. I, I remember growing up, you know, I'm in, in school and one of my teachers was saying that, you know, asked me to actually stand up in class and said, Brian, uh, please read for us. And I was actually a grown up at that time and I couldn't read. You How know, old were you at the time? Um, I think I was around about uh, 10 or so. <laughs> grown up. You call yourself a grown up at 10. Okay, yes, you're 10 years old and you can't read at that time. At, at that time, you know, and it, I actually struggled with it till I was about in matric, you know, mm. which was very hard for me. It actually yeah. isolated me from a lot of things. Mm. Um, find break time instead of going playing with the guys you actually in classes trying to catch up, you know. Oh, yeah. So it, it was a, a bit hard at that yeah. time. And um, actually having that and actually going back home to deal with abuse, you know, um, you know, I had a bit of a up and downs with my stepdad growing up, you know, yeah. he also did contribute in terms of um, me being very much disconfident with myself, you know, yeah. so it's all that, that actually, that foundation that actually contributed into me coming out now and saying, you know what, probably there's a lot of kids out there dealing with similar issues you know, and people are not helping them but discouraging them. Mm. You know, so yeah. Man, that that must not have been easy. I can imagine growing up and then uh, starting to feel like you you lack confidence, like and and people yeah. know you as that ah, he's that shy one, you know, <laughs> and yet you probably had dreams, things that you wanted to do, but you felt like being shy was getting in your way. Did you ever feel that? A lot, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. You know, you, you, you isolated from a lot of things, you know. Um, you become your, you, you start living in your own shell, you know. Um, I'm gonna say at a very young age, you don't communicate a lot of these things, especially if you're a boy, you know. Um, you keep it inside of yourself and you just live life, you know. Hopefully, hoping one day that things will be different. And I'm glad that, you know, I did get to that point where things were different. Now, what, what actually contributed to that? Because I can imagine that there's also a lot of negative self-talk that, that was happening as well. Yeah. Because some of the things people say start to become things that you say to yourself. You know, it becomes like internal self-talk and you say things to yourself now and you say, mm-hmm. yeah, you see, they were right. <laughs> you know, all that type of stuff. How did you deal with that inner voice? I must say at first I didn't know how to deal with it, but growing up, you know, um, I, I didn't even think I'll get to university. Mm. And when I had my foot in at the University of Johannesburg, you know, that's when I started seeing more of what's out there and what I can do as a person, you know. Um, I remember one of the stories when um, I didn't have money to go back to varsity. Um, I went around the community asking for some cash and um Asking for people to give me some donation if I can go back to school, and How I collected. Um, then now I was actually I did my diploma, and then I was done with my um, BTEC, and then I wanted to do my honors, you know, because when I got to varsity, it was the first time I could actually start reading, start learning, and mm. I started enjoying it, and wow. I wanted to actually even go further with it. So I did collect some funds. Uh, I was about four hundred rand. I took a taxi, came to Joburg. Um, first few uh, days was hard because I had to sleep outside campus because I didn't have money uh, money to get a place to stay till I got admitted. So yeah. first few days you slept outside. Yes. Where did you sleep? Um, it, it was a funny story because I would uh, I did have access to get into the university, but I would sleep outside the stairs. I'm um, just hide myself somewhere there in the stairs. In the stairs, yeah. Yeah. 
Man, I've I've actually I've actually encountered someone like that at some point. I was I I we used to study late night on campus yeah. and then I needed to go to the bathroom at some point and as I get to the bathroom I'm hearing one there's something breathing in the bathroom and it doesn't sound like just someone just chilling having their bathroom time. Yeah. It sounds like sleep. So I get curious and I literally peep over the the wall and there's a student sleeping in the toilet and I thought yo hey I wonder what happened to him later on you know yeah. someone probably saw you once upon a time and they thought yo what's going to happen to the student yo what do you think about those type of situations those scenarios where you've got your back against the wall there's literally no way to go and there's no one to call and you just decide okay cool it's just me and these stairs tell us you take us through what goes on in your mind around that time you know when you dreaming you know following your dream makes you do stupid things you know you do whatever it takes yeah. it's the only option there's no mm. other option i mean yeah. you know cuz you want to get into school yeah so it's at that time, for me, it was it's either this or nothing, you know, because um, I remember at the time we did have a family intervention to say you can't go back. So leaving home, I knew I didn't have any other support. So mm. for me, that was it. You left home knowing that no one is behind you. Uh, you know, they, they had a family intervention. Yeah, I know how these family interventions to go. Say, you know what? We don't have money. It's not a, in a bad. Not to say that they didn't love you. It yeah. was for them to say, you know what? We don't have the money. Mm. So if you want to go back, you on your own. Yeah. So for me, it was the only option. So you went around the community yeah. asking for money. Where were you staying at the time? Where's the community? I'm in Pumalanga. Pumalanga. Yeah. So you're in Middleburg and Pumalanga, right there in the town or like in the Kasi of Middleburg? In the Kasi, yeah. All right. So, what's the Kasi, what's Kasi called? <laughs> it's called Mluzi. Um, Mluzi. So, Usem Mluzi. Yes. And you are looking around. Knocking on doors, greeting Abu Makeluane, asking for donations to go back to varsity. Ten rand here, five rand here, ten rand here, five rand there. People are calling you names, they're calling you crazy. Mm-hmm. Why are you embarrassing the family going around asking for money? Because you know, I know how families want to look like they can afford their lives. Yeah. They want to look like they can afford their children. So now when their children are going out doing these things, sometimes the very same people you're trying to help because you're trying to take away the pressure from the parents by going out and asking are the same people who are saying don't do this you're embarrassing us don't do this and you make 400 bucks after all your effort i don't know what your goal was what was your goal when you went out was it to make a a a 400 rand or was it to make maybe enough to pay tuition and and accommodation or something like that mainly it was to get into varsity, pay yeah. fees, accommodation. Yeah. So I think the 400 rand was enough for me to go to Joby. And then when I got admitted, that's when I started looking for a job. And yeah. good enough, I became a student tutor at the university, which was enough to actually start paying for my accommodation and uh, where I stay. This man is a hustler, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I just need to increase that hustler music because he's a hustler. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, guys. You know, sometimes... You don't have enough for the, you know, for, for, for the whole thing. You just have enough for Solanka. 
And you have to just take that and get, cause I mean, you could have said, Oh no, what can I do with 400? 400 is not enough to pay for varsity. 400 can't even play for, for accommodation for a month. 400 can't do jack. It can only buy me a jacket. So let me just buy this jacket and stay home. But you said 400 can get me to, to, you know, to, to Gauteng. You know, which varsity was it, by the I'm way? University of Johannesburg. UJ. 400 can get me the taxi, can get me there, and it can probably feed me while I'm there for a week or two. All right. That's enough. Because when I'm there, I'll make another plan. Yeah. And you had to bet on yourself because no one was willing to make a plan for you. Mom was not saying, don't worry, when you get there, I'll convince your father and we'll send a thousand rand. Nothing. And you just went with this belief that it's going to work out somehow. You didn't even know how. But, you know, normally when you're out there... Somehow along the line, you know, you meet someone. I, and I think it goes with the saying of, of, uh, you know, people who are spectators who love soccer, but are just spectators yeah. never get to score any goals. <laughs> you know, if your That's feet true. aren't physically both in the field, yeah. you ain't going to do nothing yeah. close to being a top goal scorer or even just an attempt at goal. Yeah. Nothing. In fact, it won't even count. Even if the ball comes to you by accident and you throw it to the <laughs> ball, to the goal post, it won't count as even an attempt. Sure, sure. You know, you need to physically be in there. And you decided, you know what? I can't dream of university if I'm not in front of the university trying. I can't say I want to be in, in, in varsity sitting at home. I need to go there. I need to find a way. And, 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 and imagine, you know, um, it was a matter of, you know, it's either you stay home and you look for a job or you actually follow your dreams, you know. And since coming to Joburg, I must say, after um, graduating with my BCom owners, I got a job at um, a, um, a company and then I actually even um, rose up, you know, I got, mm. um, I won um, the Standard Bank Rising Star Awards. Wow. And um, also, I um, had a chance to even take my mom overseas, you know. Wow. Yeah, I took her to Rome, you know, for mm. the first time for her and for us, you know. Yeah. And I always look back and said, you know, what if I just stayed home and listened and did nothing, you know? Mm. I, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's good to listen, but sometimes you need to. Block the naysayers and say, you reached the right number, but at the wrong time, <laughs> I'm out of here. You know, because I, you know, that, that's where my turning point came as well. In fact, I, I got to a point where I was at peace with the thought of if I try and fail, I said, if I try and fail, then I'll be right back here. It will be like I never did anything yeah. or I might be a little bit at the bottom, but I'll bounce. I'll come back up, you know, or what's the worst that could happen? Like, it's best, it, you know what, it's better when you are actually um, trying to go for your dreams from rock bottom because you're already at the bottom. It don't get lower than this, man. It only gets up from here, yeah. you know. So you were already in Ekasi. So you said, what's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is I could fail and come back to Ekasi. You know what, then I would be where I started, so let me try anyway. Yeah. Rather than just staying here and, and, you know, and, and not going for that thing. Cause you actually risked your life, man. You know, you could have gone out there. You could have been part of a human traffic incident. And I don't know what could happen to <laughs> Anything you. Anything could happen because you were still young at the time. You know, like you, you don't even have money. You don't have anything. The parents could be scared. What if you get involved in drugs and you start yeah. selling your body for money? <laughs> You never know what could happen. And that's, of course, always the paranoia that ki the parents have and, and that 
it's you know the things that could hold you back too it's thinking about all the things that could go wrong yeah. but you just thought of all the things that could go right this time around and you just believed that i don't know if you know how big that was actually it was huge for you to just leave home with 400 bucks in your pocket and sleep literally it it's like being homeless you were homeless yeah. you know you can say i slept on the stairs you slept on the streets man like actually yeah. you were homeless yeah. and you you decided you know what i'm going to be at peace with this you probably didn't even tell your family at home what's really going on because that's actually you know when you when you're doing that individual journey that that journey to success there are some things that will not be explainable it's well, it's inexplicable to other people because they will immediately say why are you putting yourself through that yeah. come home stop that thing mm-hmm. and something in you says it's going to be worth it yeah. it's going to be worth it you know i i have a similar to- story to you i actually relate with you on so yeah. many levels there was time a time where i slept under under office desks for a year um because i needed to i needed to mc and I needed to, to get that skill and I needed to improve it and I needed the money too. And, but the place was like 45 kilometers away from, from where I stayed and campus and so on. I was a student at the time. It was easy to get a taxi to go there at around six o'clock, seven o'clock in the, in the, in the evening. But at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, yeah. there were no taxis coming back. At first I had a friend who would use, you know, who would lift me, but then eventually he's like, yo man, I lost the car in an accident or whatever. I don't know his story. Then I had nothing. Then I had the option of either just drop this whole dream thing and just go back to campus and just be a normal student or figure out another way. Hustle, man. And I decided, you know what? I, I could, I could probably just hang around the office, wait for people to leave. <laughs> and, and when they left, yeah. you know, I just kind of tried to sleep on the office chairs, but the office chairs had wheels. So they kind of <laughs> spin out of me while I'm sleeping. <laughs> and then eventually I had to decide, you know what? I need a stable foundation. <laughs> and so I decided to sleep yeah. under the desk because if I, I, so if I'm under the desk, even if someone comes in, they don't know that someone's actually sleeping here today. And, uh, some days I would oversleep. So like the, uh, I could hear people coming for their morning shift. I'm like, Oh, shucks. <laughs> quickly, quickly get up, get out. You literally, there's no toiletries, man. You just go to the bathroom, just wash your mouth, wash your face, get out there, get that taxi, go back. People see me. Uh, in the evening coming to work when they're, when they're coming home, right, with the taxis. And then they see me in the morning when they're going to work and they're like, shucks, this guy looks like yesterday. Where, where was he? You know, I know where I was. I was at home. Does and then I'm going to say, you know, it's never easy. It's never easy. never easy. And if I had explained to my parents what I, what was happening, if I told my mom that I'm sleeping on the desk, she'd be like, hey, you ain't there to study. Stop that. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, yo, I, I can't explain it to you. It's just, it's my dream and, and I know it's going to work out. I just don't know at the moment how, but I just have this feeling, man, you know, and you had that feeling that it's going to work out. Yeah. You, you slept and you try to, you know, you try to play it down like it was just, ah, I slept on the stairs for a couple and, and of days. Still, how long? You still need to wake up in the morning and still go hustle. Yeah. Doors is closed right in front of your face. Yeah. Door after door. After how door. did you, I mean, how many, how many days did you actually sleep on those stairs that you're talking about? So I spent there, got there on a Monday. 
um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. That's when things started to actually make sense, you know. You got the same pair of clothes, or were you changing clothes? Changing clothes, yeah. And where would you freshen up in the bathrooms? In the bathrooms. I wasn't planning on going back home, so I yeah. did take some clothes. Okay, and yeah. and when people find you sleeping there, what would happen? So. I did have an encounter where security guards did find me mm-hmm. um, sleeping, so they took me in and started asking questions, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, in that, you do tell them, guys, I'm here to to register. I want to get into the university. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they just keep you in the office f- for the night, and you know, in, in the morning, then you go back and do your thing. Yeah, yeah. Sharks. And uh, but when did things then you know take a turn for the better? Um, I, I had a friend of mine who was working in the university. Um, he called me up and said, "No, um, there's actually an offer um, space in a certain course, which is strategic management. Go uh, go there and try and see if you can get in." And when I got there, I met a lady who was like very nice and started saying, "No, there's actually space. Let's start and see if you can fit you in." And later on, they said, "No, what you actually accepted." So I was actually happy about that. Mm. I think the hardest part was getting the accommodation. Yeah. Because the, the lady there the made, bossy, the what, the they what? made me wait forever. Yeah. They told me, you know what, you're wasting your time here because there's no space. Mm. I just sat there because I had nowhere else to go. Yeah. And just waited and waited and waited. Wow. Till they're like, no, just give me your ID and then I just <laughs> give it to her. And I was glad I just stayed there because, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Prompted them to actually start helping. So, so then you got student accommodation with the university. With the university. Oh yeah, wow! Which made things much easier. That's so actually yeah. smart. Like instead of those kids who just walk away because they're like, ah, you're on the waiting list. You just decided, you know what? <laughs> Stuff the waiting list. I'm just going to sit here. <laughs> I'm going to show you guys yeah. that I'm actually, I'm actually desperate. You know, I, I need this thing more than anybody needs it because I'm the only one here. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This this must have taught you a lot about humility. A lot about. Um, when is time when is it time to put aside your ego for your dream a lot about you know those type of things tell me a bit about what what that journey and the journey of life really just taught you about about all of that i have to say following your dreams is is, is one of the most difficult things one can do for themselves um it's easy to go get a job and Maintain that lifestyle But if you're following your dreams You know Anything can happen In any day You know um, You can just Sit for a while And have no money Get demotivated And you know Feel that you actually Not worth it you know, Whatever you're doing Is not worth it So I must say It taught me a lot To actually understand That things do take time Mm. You know, it takes time for you to be in a certain level You know, you need to put in the effort You need to understand That you that is going to take time, you know. Yeah. Keep, put yourself in it, and what wherever the road takes you, go with it. You know, yeah. and every day something does come up, mm. whether it's now or tomorrow. But things do happen. Wow! Do you finish your degree? Uh, yes, I actually graduated three times. Wow! Um, yeah. yeah, I got my diploma, got my BTEC, and got my honors degree. Yeah, yeah, in record time. So excellent. <laughs> yeah. Wow! You know. You, you, you weren't, went against the grain. You had a moment in your life where you were not a great reader and everybody criticized you yeah. about it. And now you're an author. You write books. <laughs> Man. That's a funny story. Talk about disappointing your haters, you know? <laughs> this is, this is really yeah. inspiring and that, that's, that's amazing. Tell me a bit about your books. 
So my first book was Ground Up, mm-hmm. a practical approach to building yourself for success. I mainly telling people about the story of where I come from, yeah. the hardships I went through to where I am currently, you know, um, the things that I've achieved were things that were, I was told you, you as a person will never get there, you know, mm. and it was emphasized so many times in my life that it became a reality. Yeah. You know? Um, but I did make sure that let me just push and see if I can actually make it, um, in life, you know. So, uh, the, that book talks about my experience in life, talks about how I made it, talks about that, that, you know, all the good things and bad things, you know. Yeah. So currently I'm working on my second one. I was supposed to have launched it in August, but we're still busy interviewing some entrepreneurs. It's called, um, Entrepreneurs, the Hustlers Paradise. Mm-hmm. We're mainly focusing on how did you make it as an entrepreneur? And taking that into what do people say in theory about making it as an entrepreneur mm. and actually taking it back to the people to actually tell them this person has been hustling for 10 years and they're still hustling and they've made it and you want to do it in two days or three weeks and give up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm focusing on. Oh, this is amazing, man. And how, how is the book industry really? You know, that I, I always encounter young people saying, Hey, I'm writing a book or hey, I'm thinking of writing a book or, you know, Oh, you should write a book. <laughs> and, uh, they don't really know how easy or hard it is or, you know, what, what some of the challenges are when writing a book. Tell me a bit about the journey of writing a book. You, you're now going to, I mean, you, you've write, written more than one book. So I'm, I'm, you've learned some stuff yeah. by now. Tell me a bit about the challenges. And also some of those unexpected things that, yo, I don't know if you knew, but you also need to know this. Yeah. So I, I might say with, with publishers, if you're not good, they're not going to actually even consider you. They need you to be proper. They need your work to actually speak something that can they can represent themselves. Yeah. So make sure if you want to get into that business, you're a good writer. Mm-hmm. You're writing a story that can sell. You know, yeah. unless you're very much famous and marketing is already easy, yeah. then you can actually get. And you can make uh, <laughs> a spelling mistake. <laughs> you can make your spelling mistakes. There, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, but but I must say, you know, if you do make the spelling mistakes, great. I always say that until you haven't, until you do it, you never understand what it takes to actually get there. Yeah. You know, um, so. It, 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 it is a challenging environment. It does need a lot of work. Um, I mean, it's reading, you know, you have to give people what they want to see, you know, they want to read, you know, it needs to be proper and good, you know, mm-hmm. so, and it also represents you. Yeah. So, yeah. And then in terms of some of the things that you think that most of us don't know about, about, you know, publishing a book. Yeah. So I must say it, it's not really not that hard, especially if you self publishing, you know, you, 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 you need to actually get your content. Very, you, you need to get your book or your, your, your work ready. You need to get it at that level where it can be sell, sold, you know, mm. sellable. Yeah. In a way, you know. So getting the people to actually do it, it's very much easy. You just need to make sure that you get a printer. You need to make sure you get in contact with libraries for them to get you your, um, IS, um, ISBN code. You need to make sure that you get your barcodes right and it, all those things. I mean, to get that code is cheap. It's for free, actually. To get a barcode, it's about 400 rand. And um, to print your books, it's even cheaper, you know. So I always say focus on getting your content right. And then the rest is just easy for you to do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And how, how expensive is it? Like, um, let's say I want to 
I don't know how many books does, does a person make. Like when you're saying, "Oh, I got books. I, I published some books." How many? How many books do you print out and then you say, "Okay, cool. Now I can say, yeah, I got a, a good arsenal of books." It, it depends, you know. I, I do a lot of talks with um, uh, different organizations. Yeah. So at times you find that they will ask, "No, I'd bring fifty books with you." Yeah. You know, um, bring ten, bring twenty friends and yeah. family yeah. to ask that. You know. Mm-hmm. So it, it depends. You so know. you print about, let's say, five hundred books. Uh, not yet. Okay. Uh, let's say about two hundred. Cool. Let's yeah. say cool. Yeah. I want to start, <laughs> and I'm going to start with two hundred books. Yeah. And I and I think yeah, I'm going to sell my books and everything. How much do you think I need to have in my pocket if I say I got good content and I want to print two hundred books and I want to just be an author? Yeah. Probably ten thousand. Right? Really? Yeah. It's not that expensive. Okay. And then you hey, really get a lot of books. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you heard it guys It's actually not it, It's not as hard as it You know it sounds You know sometimes when you imagine You're thinking yeah, I'm, I don't know I'm, But it sounds like I need a lot of money Yeah authors yeah. sound like You know they They had to have a lot of money To mm. to make a lot of money And, and I must say also it, it was the fact that I, I wanted to self-publish To teach myself How mm. to do it From step by step And actually yeah. go back To the youth And say Yes we don't have A lot of opportunities Or money on at hand mm-hmm. But Here's a process for you to follow if you're interested, which won't actually cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah. yeah. How how does one um, get that step by step tutorial or like how did you get that information of okay cool now I need an ISBN number okay now I need a barcode okay now I need a you know yeah. how did you know where to go and which doors to knock on? Reading, you know, go yeah. online, Google. Read and, say, and read and uh, go and Google and say publishing your own book one on one tutorial. What yeah. do I need? Yeah, yeah what do I need? Yeah, and then you yeah. get it right there. Yeah. It's amazing, man. A story of reading, a story of confidence, a story of betting on yourself, a story of just so much inspiration. Man, you you got a great story to tell. Well done with everything that you've accomplished, yeah. everything that you've done. If you had to. Uh, leave us with some gem of wisdom. What would you say? Believe in yourself. You know, I think that's the most important thing for us to do as people. Yeah. Believe in yourself. You know, even if it's just the craziest thing ever, believe in yourself. You know, mm. um, I mean, currently we have um, an outdoor gym. Um, I mean, look at that. You know, somebody actually thought about that. You know, just mm. create outdoor gym, put them in each and every park. It was mm. a belief. You know, I read the story. You know, it mm. took that guy about fifteen years to even get that that the local municipality to agree with him. That long to actually get their dreams out there. But because you believe in yourself, you know, um, that's what is important. Wow. Excellent, excellent stuff indeed. When we come back, we carry on with the fantastic chats. We got some great gentlemen doing absolutely amazing things.
This is CliffCentral.com. Cool stuff. So we return and we've got, of course, a couple of really amazing stories to tell. And we got some amazing, amazing gentlemen doing absolutely amazing things. This time around, I've got uh, Tepo and Tebuho right here with me. These guys are also doing some really, really awesome stuff. Uh, and uh, it's it's really great to hear the story of the come up. We've got the director and the trainee here. Uh, that's that's what the profile still says. I don't know if the titles have changed since then. Uh, but <laughs> let me get them on the mic. How are you doing, gentlemen? I'm doing great anyway. Excellent, excellent stuff. Um, let me just uh, make sure that, let me just see one mic, two mic, or right, this mic is the other mic. I just want to make sure that uh, I also have the gentleman in the suit. Uh, your mic is on as well now. Oh, no, not yet. What is that? What is that? All right, let me just get your mic playing as well. All right, there we go. Mic one, mic one. There we go. Cool. All right. How you guys doing? No, man, I'm... I'm Doing well, I'm doing well, thanks. Excellent. So, gentlemen, tell me a bit about what you guys do. Tell me about your hustle. And uh, this is by no means a comparison. So I'm not comparing one man's journey to another man's journey. We just want to hear about amazing stories. And uh, and you can be ordinary people and just say amazing things, you know. <laughs> so tell me a bit about the company. Um, we're from TMMPS. TMPS is a world-class owned African consulting firm. Yeah. So basically, we offer accounting, taxation, advisory, and auditing services. Mm, mm. Um, we basically service small and medium-sized companies. We we are based here in 19 California Road, just down the so street. So when did you guys start? We started 2016. Yeah. Um, basically, we started before, but formally registered 2016. 2016, um, yeah. That's where I partnered with um, Bonzo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was a CEO. Text practitioner, and then we decided to open our own um, accounting firm. Yeah, but it grew into becoming a consulting firm now because yeah. we've added other services like strategy and research, HR services. Mm. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Now, tell tell me, you know, there's there's many things that uh, that people who just open up their first business don't quite understand about about this tax world and all that type of stuff. I know that it's October now, meaning that it's the last month to kind of submit your returns and things like that. And a couple of us are still in the dark. Like we like, what exactly must happen in this uh, tax period? You know, what, what should we be submitting and, and how does it really all work? Like, uh, do you have any, any, uh, wise wisdom to share in terms of that? Like, what should we know around the tax issue? Yeah, no, tax is very important. Um, and it's very important for, I can say, taxpayers to be compliant. Yeah. So, um, just my advice. If obviously you're working and, um, your employer deducts pays you in from you, Mm. Um, obviously they need to give you an IRP5 at the end yeah. of the financial year end. And then when the tax season opens, you need to submit those, um, tax returns as well. If you own a company, usually they say they put you under a, a provisional taxpayer. Okay. So if you get maybe like two income mm-hmm. and that two income is more than the threshold that they've stipulated. What is the threshold? To, to submit the standard thing, 50,000 now. A year. Um, yeah, a year. So you still need to submit if it's there. But if you earn maybe let's say under three hundred and fifty thousand from your work, but you're still getting rental income, you also need to disclose. Okay. <laughs> it feels like a lot of stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's say okay, I, I let's say for instance I work, right? Yes. I work somewhere and I get an IRP five form. 
because I work. But then I started my own side hustle business nyana on the side. And, uh, we're not really making that much money yet. Yeah. But like we are registered with, uh, with, with, you know, CIPC. We, we have a company and, uh, we think we are registered with SARS because, uh, you know, we registered with that process where they just kind of tell you that, okay, here's your text number. So we are registered with SARS. Mara, we are not making money. So like, I don't know, like, should we be, should we be submitting and how frequently should I be submitting? Okay. So here's how it happens. If you are working, obviously you are a taxpayer on your own as yeah. an individual. Mm. And if you have a company, that company is also a taxpayer mm. on its own. Yeah. So now it's two different things. Yeah. So if you get an IRP, IRP5, you mm. need to submit on your personal capacity. Yeah. That's an obligation that you have to fulfill every year. Mm. Also, when you have a company, you still need to submit every year. Even but if you are submitting zeros. Even if you are submitting zeros, but you still need oh. to submit this. Yeah. They have to, because what they do every, after every financial year end, um, your status go to non-compliant. Meaning now you, you need to submit. If you don't submit, you won't be able to get, um, government jobs and so forth. Are there fines for, for not submitting? Yeah. They charge, uh, administration penalties. But this one, they are applying it more on individuals. So they charge, okay. it ranges from like um, 250 rands per month to 16,000 rand per month. But yeah. depending on your tax bracket. Hmm. And then on the on the company side, they charge 10% if you submit late. Ish. So let's say you're supposed 10% to... 10% of the 10% amount of you your, owe. No, 10% of your... um Yes, the, 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 the current tax payable. So okay. they charge 10% on that. So if you're owing um, 20,000 mm. and then you submit, if you owe them 20,000, they charge an additional 10%, which is like 2,000 rand. Per month? No, no, no. That's okay. once off per month. Okay. They, they then charge 1%. It's okay. a lot for individuals. That's, that's, that's the thing. So, but usually what you can do if you start, your company is still starting out, you can mm. register for 10 over tax. That's okay. one of the benefits. So when you register for 10 over tax, if your turnover is less than 350,000 rand, mm. you don't need to pay anything. You can okay. disclose that turnover and then they'll charge you a nil on, 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 on your tax. It's called turnover tax. It's called turnover tax instead of the CIT, which is your corporate income tax. But it also has its disadvantages. What are the disadvantages? <laughs> so now with, with turnover tax, if it's more than 350,000, there's a fixed amount that you need to pay. Uh-huh. So it's like, I think it's allowed around 5,670. If it's between 350,000 and 400,000. So mm. that's the disadvantage because now it's fixed. Mm. You cannot add other te- tax deductible items on it so that mm. your tax can be reduced. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. I like you because you know your stuff. You know, I checked out the, the SARS website recently yeah, and your yeah. numbers are absolutely accurate. Yeah, 250,000, yeah. 16,000. Yeah. I was listening like, if you made a mistake, I was like, mm, and you just spot on, which is excellent, which is excellent for me. So now, okay, here's the other scenario. I have a, I have a job, but I, I have, I, I do things on the side, Mara, I'm the sole proprietor. Like it's me. Like, yeah, I had to register a company because those companies wanted an invoice and I was like yeah. worried. Like, am I going to write my name up there? No, yeah. let me write a company name. It will look nice. Maybe one day the company can be big, but right now I am the company. So that money that the company makes, you know, so I, I even sometimes transfer it to my personal account because I feel like it's my money. But now, Am I going to pay double tax? It becomes a problem if you pay that amount 
into your personal bank account. Mm. So now meaning you have to disclose the RP5 and the bank statements. So they're going to take text you now on two incomes. Mm. The one coming from the company and the one coming from your employer. Mm. That's why it's always advisable if you run a business, mm. just make sure that um if you work and then you have a side business, just make sure some of the income they go into your business, not your personal account. Yeah. But the other thing is that um Refreshments, entertainment costs, they are not tax deductible. Mm. So you're not supposed to use your business account to buy your personal stuff. Like mm. you're not supposed to use your business account to go to restaurants, to buy your toiletries and so forth. Those are not tax deductible. You yeah. might get into trouble for that. But if you have, you know your, your turnover, just an advice. If mm. you know you're, you're working, your turnover is not more than 350,000 rand. Register for turnover tax. It's less hassle because you just disclose your turnover. They bill you from that. If it's less than, they don't bill you anything. It's a nil. Mm. And then obviously those tax deductible items and non-tax deductible items, they don't apply anymore. But you're allowed to um, use some of your business money for meals if it is like a business. No. Oh. It's, it's not. It's exempt actually because mm. um, SARS, they've changed it. Because a lot of people used to take clients out, maybe like let's say I'd fly a client to Dubai and mm. I'd claim it as a as a business expense. Yeah. Like what um, if you saw the recent incidents with the Guptas, mm-hmm. they paid for a wedding and they disclosed that amount as a tax deduction. Oh wow. Now SARS is coming back to say no, it was a, a personal expense actually. Mm. You know, so it's a fringe benefit. Meaning you are not supposed to claim it as a tax deduction. So basically SARS will charge twenty eight percent on that amount. So they need to pay SARS that money back. Jeez. <laughs> That's why. Wait, wait, it's who who does SARS tell when they change these things? <laughs> they tell us. So obviously, yeah. you, you, it's important if you have a business, you need to have such accountants who are clued up. Yeah. yeah. My goodness. Okay. So, but what if I did it in the past now? Like, is it going to come and haunt me now? I, I, you know, cause, there was advice before. No, man, you're allowed to take out your clients, you know, just, in fact, uh, since you are a sole proprietor, you can, I mean, chances are most of the time when you go and you go and you do a service somewhere, let's say for instance, uh, we have a, a Brian going to, to speak at a seminar and then he needed to buy his own food. And then he's like, ah, this is a business trip. I'm going to buy myself food. It's his business expense. And this, this fuel that I'm using, this is business. And he feels like that whole thing was him at work. So that's why he made, you know, he took out his business card for this particular payment. And then he knows when he's at home and he's doing groceries, he'll take out his personal one. Yeah. At least on fuel, you can yeah. be able to claim it. It's yeah. tax deductible. And on the repairing your car. Repairing your car is tax deductible as long mm-hmm. as you can prove that it was used for generating income for the business. The only but then the yeah. other thing is, then that you probably need to tell your insurance company that you use this car for for personal and business. Personal and business. That's correct. Ish. So and it's more yeah. of what you can prove when it comes yeah. to SARS. Yeah, it's what you can. But prove. then the the insurance company is gonna charge you more <laughs> when you say it's <laughs> business. More, yeah. Ah, people, it's like we can't win <laughs> here, man. Ah, here we yes. can't win. <laughs> because the other thing is that they change this act every year. Oh, so if no. they find a loophole. It's because of this reshuffling. Lupo, a new minister change. comes, he wants to change things. <laughs> yeah, that's ah, the yeah, bueno, ah, No more shuffling. Shuffling must fall. Reshuffling must fall. Yeah, they need to impress. But you just need to... to I always advise clients. Yeah. Get an accountant or a tax practitioner or whatever. A financial mm. advisor that's clued up. Mm. 
Yeah. You know, so that they can advise you to say, this is the route that you need to take. Mm. This is how much you must pay yourself in order to not pay pay as you earn. Mm. Or if you want to pay less pay as you earn, this is how much you have to pay yourself. Yeah. So if you have someone like that, it's good. Hey, man. Every time I speak to an accountant, I just feel like, (laughs) help me, help my life. Oh, man. I think I need you in my life. Because there's just always so much knowledge you guys have. And, uh, you know, and I think sometimes, uh, you know, having, having someone like you on, on, on a, you know, on a cell phone and just being able to say, yo, man, help me out real quick here. Sometimes you guys can, you know, help people get out of so much trouble. And I think, I mean, I've seen headlines of celebrities attending court cases right now, um, because of tax and things. And we all scared of tax, but we don't know what to do. You know, it's because, there was never a day where they said, okay, at school, hey, one day you guys will earn money, so let's teach you about tax. It never happened. And now they're just expecting you to know, and it's bad. Yeah. I think when it comes to celebrities, it goes back to what you're asking. Um, more, most of them are freelancers. Yeah. So sometimes they just declare one income, mm. and then they don't declare another one, and they think it's perfect. Yeah. But actually, if, it, if you do three jobs, you need to declare all the three income. Mm. So that they can calculate where is your tax bracket. Yeah. And then they start taxing you from there. So mm. if you just declare one, it means we can't tax you on the other two. So now yeah. it's a loss to the, to the, um, revenue the service. Revenue service. Yeah. Hey, yeah, it's rough. It's rough. I know some, some people overseas want to rather get paid in cash so that they just out of these troubles. But obviously that too has its own consequences. Yeah. Yo, it, it really just sounds like it's, it's an uphill battle, man. Sharks. Yo. But thanks. I think you, you, you know, you're helping us see the importance of understanding your tax, yeah. understanding that these things change every year and that your knowledge might be outdated. In fact, sometimes even if you, you, you graduated 2015 and you're thinking, yeah, yeah, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> hey, man, you need to go check again. So yeah. what do you guys do actually? Do you go to regular seminars to try and make sure that you're still up to date with what's going on? Uh, basically, we attend um, Indabas. Mm-hmm. We registered under accounting and tax boards. Okay. So every time they send us, um, whenever there's a change that uh, an act that has been changed, they always send us updates in terms of this is what's different. And then um, once a year, you have to write um, tests so that your CPD score can go up. So that's mm. how you also um, keep yourself clued up. Okay. Oh, interesting. I also have a. Uh, um, uh, Mr. Silebi here with yeah. me as well. Uh, he's got a famous name. I wonder. Devo, <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing, brother? I'm doing well, Mr. Cool stuff. So you also part of the team, yes. and uh, you still a student? Um, yeah, I'm still currently studying. Yeah, uh, towards also my become accounting degree, mm-hmm. and obviously, hopefully, go further. What do you think are the benefits of working while you're studying at the same time? Um, you know, actually, funny enough, yesterday I was speaking to the accounts manager of Sage, um, cause we also have a partnership with them as well. Mm. So he, he was also speaking about how since he's gone into like consulting, speaking at school, speaking for psycho events and so forth, he's realizing that there's a gap between what the students theoretically know and what's actually practically happening. Mm. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, um, because if you look at now, we're living in a time where especially technology is coming into accounting and technology, you know, it moves quick. Mm. Tomorrow, something is up. Next day, next week, something is up as well. So we're living in a fast-paced um, society yeah. and there's an effect of technology coming into accounting and compliance. 
So for me, the benefit that I can see, and it's, I feel like it's actually working for me, is that the experience that I get from school and the experience that I get from actually practically doing the work is two different things. Because the foundation is set by obviously university, but then the actual practical work and understanding in depth, like Tepo says, you have tests and so forth, comes from the practical stuff. So yeah. with, with school, the issue is that you don't know what you don't know. But with practical, it's like, oh, so it's all, you know, so it's, it's at it's, least uh, you know what you don't know. Yeah, with school, yeah. you don't know what you don't know. But with practical, you know, oh, okay, I didn't know this. Now you read up on it. And yeah, you that's get powerful. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's deep. And at least this side, you know what you don't know, so you can do something yeah. about it. Yeah, true. Because mm. textbook, I get it. That's one. It's yeah. been the same for how many? And that's the danger. I mean, yeah. I just heard that. Uh, um, um, it, it, it was just mentioned that things change almost all the time, like true. almost every week. Yeah. These, I mean, I, every year, there's you know, there's new changes being, being put into effect. And if you have an old textbook, yeah, and uh, they. <laughs> And and by the way, do they teach South African uh, tax in the in the textbooks, or do they teach international tax? South African, South, tax. yeah. Okay, at least it's South African. Yeah, yeah but it still changes so quick, so yeah. many times, and and you can literally fall behind, right? True. Yeah. Like the you look at the fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Last year we were using fourteen percent for VAT. Yeah, now yeah. Fifteen percent. Mm. Last year there was no sugar tax. Now no, you have to account for sugar yeah. tax. So such things. Yeah. No, true. Yo, I know it's rough, and the sugar tax implication is huge for companies, eh? Because yeah. they've they've had to reinvent the products. Uh, they had to uh, either change the sizes or the price. Mm. They're so scared of changing the price, so rather change the size or the labeling, and um, say something else like sugar free, <laughs> and hope that people think that that's a good thing, and yeah. not oh they're saving money. They added sweetener instead of sugar, and now. You know, cause, yo, it's, it's rough what's yeah. happening that side. Cause. You must blame the health department. Mm, I've yeah. got, I got to learn about that because I, I was actually, uh, emceeing an event for, for, you know, a big, uh, company that, that is in line with, you know, these, um, soft drinks and, and, and so on. And, you know, it, there, that's why I got to see how big the implication is actually on something small like, Hey, we are increasing the sugar tax mm. because we want our people to be healthy or we want to make more money from these international companies who are bringing in sugar here and leaving our people with diabetes. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. And although, so it, you know, it, it helps on one side also, uh, is something that puts a lot of strain on the other side. Some companies decide to cut costs by cutting employees instead. Yeah. It, so it, you never quite know how it's going to turn out. But I mean, what we're learning here is that things change all the time. And when you have, you know, a foot in, in ac- academia while yeah. you have the other also in the practical world, you actually get to learn a lot. Better, I guess. No, true, right? true. Um, because you know the the funniest thing for me is obviously when I started, I didn't expect accounting to be actually not entirely different to what we learn in school. But like I'm saying, we use like a different software, yeah, in reality as opposed to what they teach us at school. So also having to adapt to now to say, okay, fine, this is what I actually studied, but then when I go work, this is what it's actually being used. Mm. So my my concern would also be that students are gonna come out, but they're gonna be in the same position. As the 50 year old accountant Because yeah. now The 50 year old accountant Has been doing things The same way Technology improves Regulations improve mm. And now he has to adapt to, to You know To a new way Like to now times And then mm. you as a student as well You've been in school For three years Four years Same textbook Then you come out Then they tell you no 
we do things this way. This is what mm. you need to know about. So now you, you, you guys are in the same position, you know, by actually just being different generations, but in the same position mm. because you don't have that practical aspect to it. So for me, when I actually learn theory and practical, I mean, it, it, it's, it becomes much more fun. It becomes much more, ah, but this is no longer relevant. Okay. Mm. I'll focus on this. I'll, you know, so it, it also helps you with also specializing because a lot of people want to be CAs and so forth, but they don't know why. Yeah. You understand. So I feel like with actually being in the environment of working and training, you get to see that actually I want to do tax. Like he's tax. I don't like tax. Mm. <laughs> so I know I want to be more in audit. I'm that guy. I want to mm. read crunch numbers and see and tell a story from the numbers. So I'm mm. more of the person that audits, you know, and finance and stuff. So my thing is that with, with, with that practical experience, that's how you actually get to know. Cause a lot of people choose accounting because they heard that mm. it's pays well. Mm. You know, and then you go into it and it's like, ah, actually, no, I don't want to do this. So my thing is that it's re- it really, really helps to get yourself out there and learn. Yeah, yeah. so that you actually know, does it practically serve my yeah. my you know does it that it fuel my passion? True. And if yeah. if it doesn't, then at least you can do something about it yeah. earlier. Because unfortunately, people find out too late. You know, yeah. you're done with school. How much fees was that? Well, now well, you're actually well, working. Uh, you have to pay off your student loan, and like actually, I don't <laughs> like doing this. Now you're miserable and you're only what, 28. Yeah. Now you're gonna be miserable for the next 20 years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it gets rough, right? Yeah, I know. Hmm. Now, I, I'm actually a bit worried about, uh, accountants, especially the, the entry level ones, to yeah. the tax practitioners. I'll tell you why. It's because, uh, artificial intelligence is starting to do quite a lot of that stuff automatically. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, um, there are banking apps. You guys probably heard of them. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, this app does more than just banking now. It actually does instant accounting, instant invoicing, yeah. instant payroll. All the stuff that used to be offered as line items, you guys knew, okay, I'm going to make 10,000 from these guys from <laughs> this one and another 5,000 here and another 3,000 there. Yeah. And these guys are giving me a fresh 18K or 20K because you knew yeah. how your money was going to come out. But now they're saying, shucks, I, I have got an app that can do all that stuff for me. Yeah. And all you have to do is sign. I just need your signature. How much for your signature? <laughs> You're like, ish. Ah, signature, ish. And, uh, it, and not only that, but, um, um, I see more and more companies that are starting to, I mean, big, big organizations that are starting to collaborate. Yeah. I imagine something. And then when I check the CIPC website, it's actually about to happen. The yeah. thing I imagined, um, which was, uh, the, um, at the moment, you you know you have that instant uh, accounting app that that checks your transactions and you know gives you all the financial statements yeah. the the management statement whatever you want it actually gives you all the the the, the terms that are mentioned in by SARS it gives it to you yeah. then I thought the the only way this app is doing this obviously is because it it knows all your banking information. And, uh, and CIPC is already connecting to the, some of the banks where you can already register your company with the, you know, through yeah. the bank itself. And then the bank opens up a bank account for you and you're registered and everything is done. And it can literally happen that quickly. So a couple of people got knocked out because they used to do those jobs for people. For people yeah, hey, I'll get you BEE. Now you can, <laughs> in, there's a button called instant BEE. <laughs> and your BEE is done. And that means those guys just lost out on the money that they used to get. And guess what? 
But now what's starting to happen is SARS is starting to have these auto correspondence with banks and you can actually set that up where SARS, uh, where SARS checks your banks on their own and you actually out of it. And I'm imagining this one has not happened yet, but the bank sends the IR, all these things, the IR what what's and the ITs what what, all these things happen without you even being needed in the picture. It helps SARS because then they're not worried about you not paying your tax. Yeah. They'll just take it out as a debit order or they take it out per month or something and you're always compliant and it looks like AI might just get to that place. And I'm worried that what will happen when we get there to our <laughs> accountants? You know, uh, you're not. Yeah, but um, fortunately, I don't think AI <laughs> can get to that point. Why not? When it comes, let's make an example when it comes to auditing. Yeah. It's a, an, uh, I can say an emotional connection uh-huh. because now you provide an independent opinion. Yeah. So someone needs to do that. The system can't do that. Right. Why um, can't the system just like a transaction is a transaction is a transaction. Like the, yeah. the system looks at the transaction, looks at where it comes from, flags a flag. If it, if it lo- uses your algorithm, the one, the, the decision making that you go through to decide if that's a good thing or but, a bad thing. Um, the system, it would be hard for you to authenticate, uh-huh. you know, um, maybe like let's say source documents. So I can just put an invoice saying it's from Cliff Central in the system. Yeah. The system is just going to capture it like that. But the system can't authenticate. The system can't call Cliff Central to say, do you have this person on your database? What if? Okay, so we are just, we're not attacking (laughs) you at the moment, right? We're just going through these hypothetical scenarios. So it was all an electric payment. So that means there's there's electric trail, meaning that there's like paper trail from the the EFT machine that I use, that Cliff Central, all the way to my bank, all the way to SARS. So... They don't need a physical invoice because they could see those trails and they know where you, 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 you paid and what you bought. Yeah, but we must pay in mind. There's a, like, we encounter this a lot. There's a lot of clients who take cash withdrawals. Yeah. And then they, some, some of them, they might chow that money. Mm-hmm. And then when there's an audit, they say, I paid for one, two, three. Yeah. And they just produce, they okay. can go into a garage, collect right. invoices so, that amount so to 20,000. Do you think that now what would, could happen is your work could be reduced to only looking at the cash, the cash withdrawals. Um, but the auditing is still going to be the same. Audit process is still yeah. going to be the same. Uh-huh. Um, in terms of, let's say someone goes to maybe let's say a fuel station. Yeah. Takes invoices that amount to maybe 10,000 rand. Yeah. You need someone, a forensic auditor to go there and check civilian cameras. A machine can't do that. Or you know what, what if saying? they say you have, you know how these slips nowadays have these QR codes that you have to scan? Yeah. And they say every slip you get, you must scan. Otherwise yeah. it doesn't count. I think it's a matter of like what they're doing with, um, um, when they give you a petrol card. Yeah. Someone who has a petrol card from a company can just say, Hey, my guy, just give me 500 rand. I'll pull 500 rand for you. Uh-huh. So now it reflects on the petrol card, but the, the petrol was not in his tank. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So I feel like, Artificial intelligence will work for us to our yeah. benefits, yeah. but it don't take um, business away from us. Yeah, no, you know, just to add on what Seb was saying, I, I get your point when mm. you speak of artificial intelligence, especially in corporate, because they are big organizations and mm. they are just, I mean, co- the people that just come and be accountants, they are just more of mm. commercial accountants. But I feel like for 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 us, a space of entrepreneurs. We have to see the opportunity in a sense that artificial intelligence, like what Sepp was saying, 
it automates processes for us. It makes things easier for us. Yeah. Meaning that we can now deliver to a client faster. Mm. We can now do much, your, do, do your work, which you also understand. And you can also do it, you know, clearer. Yeah. So I, I feel like cause, um, artificial, artificial intelligence, like what Sepp was saying, I don't think it'll also get to that point where it now does everything and you always remain compliant. Mm. But mm. should it even get to that point? I feel like it's still fine. But as an entrepreneur, especially for us as a, as a, as a you know, as an upcoming firm, mm. what we've realized that with consulting, it puts us in a place where we now we have to look into ourselves to say, what is the value that we give to a client? What yeah. is the value that we create for the business? Definitely, definitely. You know? Hey, gentlemen, and just like that, our time is up. It's the shortest hour of the week. I did tell yeah. you, and it just went by that quickly. Such amazing stories. Thank you guys very much for sharing. And uh, wow, so much was shared. Guys, if you feel like that was a little too much with all those numbers that were said a little earlier, just rewind the podcast, <laughs> listen again, so that you make good decisions for yourself as well. The gentlemen and their handles and all that stuff will be available online. Thank you very much for tuning in. It's the shortest hour of the week. It's Unplugged and In Charge right here on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.